1280 The Zone. Well, the college football season is winding down. The NBA season is winding up. Yes, seasons are colliding here. BYU wrapped things up with a 49-23 thrashing of UCF. It wasn't that close. This game was over in the second quarter. Everybody knew it was over at halftime. Unbelievable performance. We will get to the postgame quotes from Zach Wilson and from Kalani Sataki in just a minute. But the NBA gets going. Clippers beat the Lakers, just like they did in the season opener last year. That turned out not to matter. And Brooklyn beat the Warriors. Wow, did they beat the Warriors. Is Brooklyn really good? Are the Warriors really bad? Was it just one of those nights? We'll have to sort that out going forward. And the Jazz play tonight. They play the Blazers in Portland. Let's listen to Joe Ingles' thoughts as the Jazz get ready to open the season. I already know what you're going to ask. No comment. I'll go ahead and ask it anyway, just in case you feel like changing your mind. But um, just when we found out that you weren't practicing the other day, just um, would you mind telling us what the last few days have happened, have been like, what what your situation was, and and what your availability is? Um, I probably don't have enough time to tell you exactly what went on the last forty-eight hours, to be honest. But um, I don't actually know if I'm am I allowed to say anything. Um, yeah, I mean, I just got a, oh, I guess a, fal- a false positive, as they call it. And so I got a positive, whatever day that was. I don't even know what day it was now. Yesterday? Two days ago? Yeah. Two days ago. Um, so I got a positive. Um, and obviously, I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was the, the kids and stuff to make sure they were okay. So I got the kids to come down. They were all negative. The whole family was negative. Um, so retested again. Um on, a, on a, another rapid, that came back negative. So then I was obviously incredibly confused. Um, ended up going to a, a hotel for the night, did a few more tests. They lost my test and then miraculously found it a few, oh, a lot of hours later. Um, so stayed the night in a hotel, did another rapid the next morning, was negative, then did another test through another hospital um to be able to go home so i could go home and basically end up having whatever three four five negatives after that so um yeah just a, a false positive but obviously don't want to say the word S- screwed me for a few days but um yeah glad everything was okay and that the, i mean i guess really that the, the family was okay too it was a lot of fun <laughs> thanks joe <laughs> All right, next question will come from Andy Larson. Andy? Hey, uh, obviously Rudy got his big extension this weekend. Um, Did he? I've been in quarantine. I haven't known it. I don't know what's been going on. You don't even read the news? No. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. No, you're right. Maybe, maybe uh, I'll tell you. I'll break the news to you. Rudy Gobert somehow signs an extension, and uh, what are your thoughts that he's going to be uh, you know, under contract for the next five years? Um, oh, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, just happy for him. Um, it's something that, I mean, over the, the course of, I think, well, I've been here seven years now. He's been a year more than me, so eight years, and seeing him kind of grow from um, gangly tall. Um, I, I think he played G League his kind of first year and a half kind of thing, whatever it was, and um, obviously to be a, a huge part of what we do now and, um yeah, just just really really happy for him. Um, he's worked hard. Uh, I think everybody everybody knows that um, his kind of passion and desire to win is something that obviously is 
it's extremely great to, to have someone like that on your team. So, um, I mean, I'm not signed for five years, but I'm glad to play with him for a little bit longer. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, just just really happy for him um, and, and what he's done over the last however many years. All right, next up, Tony Jones. Hey, Joe. Um, you know, what's the mindset for you guys heading into the season, uh, especially knowing that, you know, there's going to be a lot of games coming in in a limited amount of days for you guys? Um, I, th I mean, obviously, you want to you want to go in and, and play the way we've been practicing and the way we've we've talked about playing. Um, uh, I think, as you guys know, we've we've obviously been shooting a lot of threes. We've been playing with pace, um, and then obviously, I think as as always, our defense is kind of what we, we what we rely on. So, um, yeah, we want to be be really good defensively. Um, I think we've got. Um, the, the talent to do that. Uh, I think bringing Fave back and, and obviously having Boyan back and having, having our kind of core group there. And um, yeah, on the flip side, obviously, yeah, kind of run and gun a little bit with, with, uh, um, within what we're doing. Um, and uh, I mean, play the way we play. I think, like I said, you guys kind of know the way we play. I think we'll, we'll play a bit faster and we want to shoot some threes and um, shoot threes and get on the rim. So um, that, and then obviously, like I said, just being, Consistent with our defense, which um, we're usually pretty good at. All right, Ryan McDonald, Deseret News. Joe, does your experience the past couple of days kind of put in perspective or, or kind of hit home just how challenging this season could be, not being in a bubble? Yeah, I think, which kind of all the guys were saying the last couple of days, texting me and stuff. Um, like I, I literally do not do anything. So they were all saying, if you're going to get it doing nothing, then we're all screwed. <laughs> not that they, they do anything, but obviously I'm literally between the facility and home. And um, I guess the kind of the biggest risk we're taking is our, our kids at school. Um, Jacob's in therapy, which he needs to do. Um, and obviously Miller at, at pre-K. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it was frustrating as well because I knew and felt like I've done as much, basically everything I could possibly do to, to, to not get it. Um, but with realizing that there is chances, I mean, I mean, there's chances any of us can get it at any time. The, um, the cases in Utah are, are still what they are. And um, I'm obviously around what, 30, 40 people every day, whatever the, the numbers are. So um, just, yeah, just kind of really frustrating. I guess that the, the test did come back positive. Um, for that that one time and then to have however many negatives in a row is it was a frustrating couple of days and um i really honestly wasn't too concerned about myself i was more worried about the kids at that time and um yeah just really wanted the the kids to be okay as soon as i got told that my test came back positive i called renee and told her to bring the kids down to get tested to just to see, I figured if I was, then one of them was, or, or vice versa, if one of them were, then, then I was possibly as well. So, um, yeah, just kind of felt for the kids and, and Renee, but, yeah, we, we were all good. So, um, yeah, it's just going to be the way it is for the year. It's going to be frustrating, I think, if this situation happens. I mean, if it happened today, for example, I, I would have missed the game tomorrow. So that, that's the frustrating part if you're healthy and, um, injury free and you miss it by that but I think we all are well aware of the situation this year and it's probably going to happen more than once to not just our team to every team so 
um, the smarter we are as a group and, and stuff like that. But um, it obviously shows that, that it can still happen. All right, next up, Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Joe, can you give us well, damn. Can you give us a perspective on Mike Cannon Brooks, what it means to have an Australian <laughs> owner, and then kind of is there a kind of general perspective of him from Australians? I hope I can get another extension. That would be nice. Um, I'm going to text him that. Um, no, it was. I mean, it was cool. I, I met Mike through through Ryan um, a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, then. I mean, it shows how close they are with, with buying the team together. But um, Mike came over and um, I think it was his birthday, one of his birthday trips, and he came over to Utah and, and hung out. And I got to meet him and, and kind of hang out a little bit then and have kind of been in contact ever since then. So um, the first thing I ever learned and knew about him was before, he, before I met him through Ryan, but he bought the most expensive house in Australia, which was – I'm obsessed with real estate. So for me, that was pretty cool. Um, but no, just, yeah, um, obviously a, a great partner, I think, for, for Ryan um, to, to, to kind of join all their billions together and, and do this. But, um, yeah, great guy. I think um, having a different perspective of an Australian, um, I'm sure he, he's going to have some different ideas or different thoughts to, to what Ryan would or, or what the, the, the normal um, kind of NBA is. It's um, he, He's a... I don't say different in a in a bad way, but he's a he's a he's an interesting person. So um, yeah, really excited to to have him on board and um, and kind of go along this little bit of the journey with him. All right, there's Joe Ingles, the Jazz and the Blazers tonight. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear from the Cougars after they win their bowl game easily over UCF. Zach Wilson on his 400 yard performance coming up next. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, Zach Wilson, 425 yards passing, three touchdown passes, runs for two more scores, so he counts for five. BYU's up 35-10 to 10 at the half, and they beat UCF 49-23. Dominating performance. They were in complete control, put an exclamation point on their 11-1 season. Last time they got through a season with one loss, that was a Cotton Bowl season in 96. Let's hear from Zach Wilson now after that performance right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yeah, Zach, I'm going to get this right off the top. Is this your last game that you've played at BYU? <laughs> yeah, I don't know I don't know yet. I mean, I'm going to meet with my family and go through the pros and cons, and we'll figure it out. All right, uh, Mitch, next. Yeah, Zach, what's the timeline for a decision when you plan to resolve that? What are you, what are you thinking? Yeah, it's hard to rush. I mean, I'm probably going to enjoy the Christmas break and uh, discuss with coaches and um, discuss with my family and, f- and figure out what's best. And, um, you know, obviously it probably has to be before the, the new year um, at some point. So, uh, you know, we'll just see from now until the new year. All right, we'll go with Jared and uh – Folks, just a, a quick uh, request that if you're not uh, asking a question that you mute your microphone so we don't have to hear people typing. So we'll go with uh, Jared Lloyd. 
Come on, Zach. It wouldn't be this year if you didn't have people without being muted and having trouble with the Zoom conference, right? So I just wanted to talk about the game. Um, it looked like you guys, you know, you kind of took a lot of underneath stuff, let your receivers do a lot of things, yards after the catch. What did you see there that kind of allowed that to really open things up and have a lot of success for the offense? Yeah, you know, they're a great defense, but we, we noticed on film that they struggle a lot with, uh, you know, crossing routes, mesh stuff, uh, stuff underneath. And so we had a lot of success with it um, as part of our game plan going in, and, and they struggled with it um, down the stretch. And so the, the goal was to get it out to, to those playmakers and let them make plays. All right. Uh, up next, I believe we had Charlie, Charlie McCarthy. Thank you. Hey, Zach, uh, obviously a lot of good things happened tonight for you and the team. Uh, when you look back, what's going to be the, the one thing you take away from this this win tonight? Uh, yeah. You know, the, the love that we have for each other. I think uh, the excitement that we had to play this game um, was special. Um, you know, just looking around and soaking it all in was was the coolest part. You know, we'll never have the same team again with guys, you know, taking off next year and things are always different. And, um, you know, just soaking it in with this team. You know, I love these guys. And that was the that was the best part is that we came out with that excitement and energy and guys were excited to play. How was it like just having the ceremony on the field with really no fans in the stands? Sorry, what was that? The, uh, I saw the team on the field getting the trophy. What was it like having few, you know, few fans in the stands for that? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, shoot, tons of BYU fans there, right? I mean, that was impressive for us. Uh, we haven't had a ton of games this year where they were able to attend, and so um, it was awesome for us to be able to uh, experience having having them there. You know, it shows how important the BYU community and, and culture is uh, to all of them, and so uh, great to have them there. Great to have our families there um, and friends, and um, just an exciting moment that we'll remember forever. Last couple here for uh, for Zach Ben Criddle, and then we'll wrap it up with Mitch. Zach, a lot of elite throws tonight, but can you walk us through the play call, uh, your progression, your thought process, and then execution, the throw to Neil Pau um, to the end zone? Yeah, you know, great, great play calling all night by Coach A-Rod and, and Coach Fessy and, um, you know, Coach Clark, you know, all those guys had to work together with Coach Grimey and uh, Mateos out, but um, great play call there. We called an out and up with Neil. We cleared out the corners, uh, press man. We were trying to make the, the guy press on Neil feel the ability uh, to undercut the out routes. So Neil set it up perfectly and, um, you know, by the looks of the play, I knew, it was, I knew it was a ball I'd have to anticipate to get there. So uh, I tried to just drive line it right as Neil uh, cut up the field, hopefully stick it on his body because the, the window wasn't too big. So that was the thought process there is um, they're an aggressive man team and is really trying to take advantage of uh, the out and up. Uh, we got in a couple outs on them. And so uh, Neil did a great job of catching it and, and, and scoring right there. Last one here. Yeah, Zach, uh, for me, it's been a pleasure covering you guys this season. And just kind of finally, what's the defining characteristic of this offense in, in 2020, in your opinion, as it closes the, the chapter of the season? Yeah, you know, amazing offense, and I think it's just going to keep going from here. Um, it's been an exciting, you know, year of 2020, but also tons of ups and downs. And so, um, you know, great way to finish this way, but this offense is just going to keep improving um, into next year and the year after that. we got some great coaches and great players around that um, are used to the scheme and, and know what we're uh, asking for. And so uh, it's been an exciting year, but we're going to keep growing on it for next year. There's Zach Wilson now. Here's the head coach, Kalani Sataki. Uh, thankful for the, the game, for the opportunity to play in this game. Uh, I want to thank, first of all, the RoofClaim.com, Walter Resendable. 
uh, for inviting us. It was a pleasure to be here. The hospitality uh, that they show us was awesome. Love this area. The people here were awesome. So thank you very much for that. And um, also want to express our gratitude to uh, UCF for the game and quality opponent. Things just went our way tonight, you know, but I, I know they're a well-coached team. Uh, coach Heupel is a great coach, and he has a great staff, and those guys will be back again, you know, so they'll be ready to roll. And, and uh, I think we just things just happened for us real quick and, and uh, you know, worked in our favor. So uh, I'm glad that we got the win. Really proud of our, our team, proud of our players, our coaches, and uh, excited about the result. Um, obviously, we feel like we can do some things better, and but I, I saw a lot of young guys that are going to be back next year show up and, and make a difference for us, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to those guys playing in 2021. So that being said, uh, grateful that we got to play our, our 12th game and really thankful that we have this game of football to, to play. And, and I know there's a lot of people that work um, really hard and, and uh, to get us to play this game, and, and I hope they know how much we appreciate them. And uh, I'm speaking for our players and for our coaches, our program. We're, we're thankful for this opportunity to play the game and, and uh, really enjoyed our, the whole season. So thank you very much. I'll take any questions you guys have. Our first question will be from Jared Lloyd. Jared, go ahead. Talk about the way your defense played in that game. You knew how good UCF's offense was and the way they came out and held them to 10 through much of the game, scored a couple late, but talk about the way that defense performed. Yeah, I'm proud of Coach Tuyaki, Coach Lamb, Coach Hadley, Coach Guilford. Um, that in, in, uh, you know, in connection with the uh, graduate assistants and the analysts that we have on our team, on our coaching staff on the defense side, did an amazing job. So really thankful that we were able to have a great game plan. I felt like we were disruptive as a team. Uh, obviously, we felt like we had a lot of plays out there that we could have made, but you have to give credit for UCF and and uh, for Gabriel being able to uh, you know run. <laughs> He's athletic and being able to find ways to create more uh, time for himself on, in, in the passing game. Run game got out of uh, got out a few runs, but I felt like we were able to corral it for the most part and not not uh, allow them to break big ones. But really proud of the defense. Uh, I would have taken 23 points in a heartbeat if you told me that before the game. And um, and even with that being said, I was still frustrated at the end because I felt like uh, we, we gave up we gave up too many easy plays, and then a lot of that has to do with um, some fundamentals and technique and. Really, just got to get these guys to finish games and finish strong. So I think it didn't really matter what the score was. We wanted our guys to keep playing, and, and we got some valuable reps in that second half for a lot of guys that they grew up a lot in this game. So I'm looking forward to them performing next year. I will go with Jake Hatch. Yeah, Kalani, just give us some of your thoughts on Zach's performance: 425 yards passing, five total touchdowns. What'd you make of him out there? Yeah, he's a great player. But I've been, I mean, I think everybody's talked about him a lot, and, and, and I, I hope he knows how much I appreciate him. You know, we believed in him, Coach Roderick, and, um, you know, done a great job with him. So, I, I, But I, I'm just so thankful that, that I get to coach that guy. His work ethic and his passion for the game is, is awesome, and uh, it's an honor for me to, to be his coach. So I'm, I'm really proud of him and the things that he can do on the field. I mean, he, he had a great no-look pass. I don't know if you guys saw it, but... This guy's got, and I've seen him practice that a lot. So it was really cool for it to show up in a game because he was torching our defense a little bit throughout the year and seven on seven with that throw. And I mean, he's got a lot. He practices all these type of throws, and and uh, he's got he's just got a bag full of different types of throws that he practices. And and for him to have that, I mean, he's got a lot of years of football left.
All right, we'll go to Jay Drew. Kalani, uh, where were uh, Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos tonight? And I'm assuming Aaron Roderick called the plays. And just what did you think of his play calling? Well, I mean, I'm not going to go into details of uh, what happens with us. I mean, this year, you know, I never went into details with um, people that that aren't aren't here, and so I'm just gonna, I'm just going to be general, Jay, and just say that um, this has happened every week. We've we've never been full strength as a staff and as a team, and so you know, we had a um, we missed some people on the field, and and uh, they're they're. Uh, our depth had to show. We, we, we pride ourselves in getting um, better depth this year, and, and we had to test it quite often. And then uh, this week, this bowl game wasn't any different. So I'm um, glad that we were able to make plays and get the win. But uh, that, that's kind of what 2020, the season, has been for us. Never been full strength. And um, not complaining about it. That's just what it is. Everyone's in, having to deal with the same thing. I, I'm just thankful that I have guys that love playing the game of football, and they love being here. And and it showed tonight on the field. Last couple here, I have one from KSL. Yeah, Kalani, this type of season that you guys can build off of going forward into 2021 and, and beyond is a, is a program shaper, if you will. Yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 it doesn't really matter the, the, the wins and losses. What matters is the progress that we're making as a program. And, um, you know, the, the, for me, I, I know that's what fans look at, but for me, it's, it's I'm, I'm seeing a lot of progress made over the last – few years you know and um we were really excited about this season because we knew we had a deep team and and you know as as, <laughs> as it looked we had to test it often and and so i'm just really proud of our players and, and i think this is going to be a huge step forward for a lot of young guys that made a lot of plays and that have a bright future here at byu and, and we're gonna have to lean on them heavily as we go into the you know the next season okay last one here for coach sataki will be charlie mccarthy Hey, Coach, the first quarter, you had three drives over 70 yards, less than like a minute 50 each. What is it like watching your offense function like that? Well, I mean, if they can score, I don't really care how much time they burn on the clock, you know. So uh, we we have to play a, a certain style of defense that will match that and complement what our offense is going to do. We, we want our offense to be aggressive. We want them to score quickly, and, and defensively, we're going to have to come up with some stops, and I'm glad that we were able to do that early and, and, and gain a lead on a UCF. That's an explosive team, and I felt like we were in control for, for the major part of the game, and, and that is a huge part to our coaches being able to play complementary football, and that's, that's, uh, that's nothing that – it can't be just all looked at the head coach. This is something that our coaching staff has worked with and our players understand. I mean, our, our defense knows that our, our offense is going to go for it on fourth down quite often, and they're going to support it, and they're up off the bench ready to go. So uh, we, we talk about our game plan. We talk about our strategy with our players, and we talk about adjustments that we're going to make. And so it's important for them to know the adjustments that we're making on defense for Zach and the rest of the offense to know that, just like special teams. So uh, these guys understand football. I thought they've increased their football IQ during the offseason. And um, it showed. And so I, I got a, a great group of young men that can be coaches themselves, and, and it, they're doing it on the field right now. And it's been a pleasure, man. I, I, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see what these guys can do from here on out. There's BYU head coach Kalani Sataki as the Cougars beat UCF 49-23, and they finish 11-1 and and about a yard and a half away from a perfect season. But it's the way it goes, right? You can't win them all. Maybe Alabama can, but most teams can't. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, put a bow on the youth season with Frank Dolce, the former quarterback. Stay with us. 
Frank Dolce joining us now. Frank, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Hope everybody's doing well. We are doing well. We hope you're doing well, too. Why don't you have, uh, have you on to put a wrap on the youth's five-game season? It was only five <laughs> games, but let's set aside all the negativity. What did you learn about the Utes this year that informs your opinion of how good they will or won't be next year? Number one thing you take away. Uh, they found another gem at the running back position. I think that's, for what Utah wants to accomplish on the offensive side, I think that's critical. And you and I are going to, I know what we're going to do today. We're gonna we're gonna battle about the quarterback position, so I've been <laughs> I've been getting geared up for that. And super super athletic on the defensive side. Yeah, that's fair enough. Now, the quarterback position obviously is always going to be a sticking point if it's not great. But I'm in you. I'm more in your camp that when you have all these other things. I just don't know that you're going to be able to have this great quarterback who's going to be super efficient and they're just going to be excellent in the passing game because if you're going to be excellent in the passing game and you're already excellent in the running game, well, I think that's a little bit too unrealistic to ask. So I want a quarterback who can make a play. And I'm not sure right now that they've got one, and that's been an issue. But as far as bringing in these transfers, it makes me a little bit nervous, Frank, because automatically you're getting guys who weren't good enough to play at someplace else, except for maybe this Baylor kid. But if I bring him in and he's coming in and he's going to be a one-year kid, do I really want that too because have I made the improvement that I need at that position or am I just putting a Band-Aid on it? It's really interesting because I think the what, what we thought about the transfer portal early on, or at least what I thought about it, would, would be a scenario where, you know, the rich would get richer and teams like Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State would just go and raid the transfer portal and take all of the best available talent. And that's probably still somewhat true. I think what we're also discovering about the transfer portal is that there's a reason guys enter the transfer portal. (laughs) It wasn't necessarily that they didn't get along with the coach or they weren't getting enough playing time or whatever myriad of reasons we hear about it. Some, some of it is that they just didn't measure up and, and that there, you know, there are some blemishes on those guys and that's the, those are the things that you'll discover. So Sometimes you think, well, I'm going to go in the transfer portal. I'm going to get a guy that has 17 starts, but but it's not it's not a perfect fit. And um, and, and so it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how that works out for for Utah. I I haven't been a huge fan of what's come out of the transfer portal lately. So. But I know these guys are, are the quarterbacks that are coming in are pretty talented and highly, highly rated and all of those things. But, but I think it's the, like maybe the point that you're making is that these guys come in and they're, it's not, they're not necessarily, you know, the four-star, 
out of high school that you're hoping for. They they come with some some blemish, and you have to you're going to have to manage that some way. Well, let's talk Charlie Brewer because in a lot of ways this seems like an instant replay from a year ago. Instead of an experienced SEC quarterback, you're getting an experienced Big 12 quarterback. You get a guy who instead of 30-whatever starts has 40-whatever starts. But I do see a completion percentage that's 62%. I see 2-to-1 in the touchdown-interception ratio. And you know what fans want. They want 4-to-1. And they want 68% completion percentage. So there are going to be some throws that are going to make people groan here. And are the youth bringing in a starting quarterback? Or are they bringing in a guy who's going to compete for the starting quarterback and maybe lose to the same guy that the SEC guy lost to last year? <laughs> yeah, I, I think Utah feels like they have their starting quarterback. But they don't have, they don't have a lot of depth behind the starting quarterback and you really need to solidify that that position and it just it clearly it didn't you know it wasn't it wasn't where it needed to be this year although hats off to to uh drew lisk and the way that he managed his opportunity to play and 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 dick bentley too i mean i he he is the guy that physically everything that Utah wanted him to be a quarterback, but certainly a classy guy and good leader, and his teammates kind of rallied around him. So I think there's something about about Dick Bentley, but we'll see. I mean, this is this is a quarterback this is a quarterback room that I think is led right now by Cam Rising, but with his but the uncertainty about his injury and the question about whether or not he's going to even participate in spring ball. It seems to me that Utah doesn't feel with like the six, I think there's six other guys, five or six other guys on the roster that play the quarterback position. It just doesn't feel like they have any faith that any of those guys are going to be able to lead the team. And so they had to go into the transfer portal to solidify that group. So I don't, I mean, I think it would be, to to me, it's kind of like if they find a guy in the transfer portal that becomes a starter for a year, then that's just a bonus. I, it really feels to me like, and, and I'm not saying they won't let these guys compete for the starting job, but it really feels to me like they're just trying to shore up a position group that for, for some crazy reason is, is really thin right now. So you look at it, I'm trying to recall in recent memory a conference winner that's had a transfer at quarterback. And you look at the two, or the division winner for that matter, and you look at the two times the Utes have won it, it was with Huntley, and then Shelley relieved him. But both of those guys were recruited uh, to come to Utah out of high school. So that's where yeah. I'm nervous of going in the transfer portal because I wonder if it can really fulfill what you're looking for. But at least if I'm going to do it, get them in the program as early as possible, and they're doing that with Rising and then this other kid, which is uh, I think his name's Jackson from uh, from Texas. Ironically, from Texas yeah. also. Another another kid from Texas, yeah. How, wasn't wasn't uh, was Jacob Eason uh, was a transfer, right? At yes, Washington. And, and, did, and they didn't they did didn't they win the win division. The, did, no, because then they got no Oregon. Oregon oh. beat the Utes last year. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay, so and he as we as we look across um, transfers, 
I don't even know if you could say there's a handful at the quarterback position that have been impactful, maybe a couple, a, a few at the quarterback position that have been impactful. So right now I think the odds are against it. But, but Utah certainly could find a couple guys – that um, in, in a scenario where one of your guy, one of your quarterbacks goes down and you need a fill-in, then you certainly have a more than adequate fill-in for that for that position and a guy that could make make plays and lead the team. Um, but with with you know going back to this whole this whole quarterback position group for Utah, with the way Utah runs the ball. Um, I, I still don't think you need a superstar at the quarterback position to be, to be really good or to be successful. And, and it feels like Utah has that, that position solidified, the running back group. And if that's the case, and if Utah wants to, wants to run the ball, then you know, I feel okay about where they are, even though it's, I don't think it's perfect to, you know, at the, at, the, at the quarterback group right now. So I think it's a good thing that uh, we agree you don't need a superstar to win at quarterback because it doesn't look like you're getting a superstar at quarterback. So, what, <laughs> but I think that the guy who could help them win is the guy who's willing to redshirt and learn for two years and come in late in their career. Now, Drew Lisk is an extreme example, you know, the last half of the last game of his fifth year. But the guy who comes in from out of state is coming to Utah because he's going to play. The best quarterbacks in Utah might – okay, if you're the best quarterback in Utah, you're going to go somewhere you can play right away too. But could there be a pretty good high school quarterback in Utah who, because he's staying local and he wants to and maybe grew up a fan of the team, would invest in being in the program two or three years and not playing and not transferring? And could they grow somebody in to being a good quarterback as a junior and senior? If Lisk had gotten a chance earlier, could he have done this? Because you're surrounded by a good defense, and you're going to hand the ball off to a really good running back, so you've got to be able to execute the play-action passing game and throw 25 times in a game. And so can they get someone? They have someone on the roster. I don't know anything about Bryson Barnes. He's out of Milford High, and I don't go to Milford yeah. High game. So I don't, I don't know anything about him other than he's on the roster. But is there yeah. someone they could get – who they could groom, who they could put on scholarship, who's a pretty good player, who wouldn't be threatening to the four-star guy and say, listen, we need depth at the position in case you get hurt, but you're the four-star guy. This is a local guy. Relax. Don't worry about it. Don't be that scared of competition. We're not bringing in another four-star from Southern California. Would that, would that approach work? I, it feels like the, the mentality of the student-athlete today has – significantly changed from 30 yeah. years ago when I when I played and that's that's a difficulty because um, you know it's more of the Tuttle philosophy um, wait a second I'm here I'm a four star I'm not starting well then I'm leaving I'm gonna go somewhere else and it, rather than you know way back when it was hey I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna develop I'm gonna earn my shot and then I'm going to start for a couple of years, and um, and and so it's really the mentality of the student athlete today makes it really difficult to hang on to a guy. I think you're right. The best case scenario for Utah is to find a, a, a talented in-state kid who wants to go to Utah, wants to be around, 
and wants to find his way onto the field and then develop his talents over over a couple of years. And then Utah can mess around and try and find a four-star guy and maybe hang on to him and maybe not. But in the meantime, develop some talent uh, behind the guy who's supposed to be the starter, who thinks he's supposed to be the starter. I do think that's the ideal scenario. But it's just like opting out of a bowl game. And I know that there were lots of there's lots of things to consider. There's lots of factors to consider this year about the bowl game. Um, it, it, you know, not the least of which is financial. But but the concept still of opting out of another opportunity to play, and I'm coming at it from a perspective of 30 years of experience and perspective that. I, I mean, I would have never, I, I would have never even considered that. The opportunity to go and play another game is would be would have been so meaningful to me, or even now is so meaningful that I would have done just about anything to do that. So I think we're dealing with just a different mentality today, and 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 how how student athletes view view the game. So it's really difficult, it's, especially at that group. Well, and you're seeing it at the running back group too. If you don't get your chance on the field, there's not this thing about, well, I'm going to go prove myself. It's no, I'm going to go somewhere else and give myself a different opportunity. So as far as the in-state quarterback, I mean, that just hasn't happened at Utah. When, when was the last one? we got to go back to Lance Rice. <laughs> and, and what's the problem there? Well, uh, there, there could be, there could be a couple issues. One is um, Utah's, you know, still not viewed as a quarterback factory or anything close to a quarterback factory. So that you have that working against you a little bit, and and any so any guy in the state who's going to be highly recruited um, is going to look at potentially a USC or like a, a Cam and Cooper. We saw him go to Washington State um, or another program that feels more like uh, a place where a quarterback can develop and have a shot at playing at the next level. Um, Utah just hasn't, just hasn't produced that type of quarterback. So there's a little bit of an issue. The, the, other, the other thing is I, I don't know – I don't know how much focus there's been inside the program of recruiting uh, a quarterback in state. I just I don't know the answer to that, and and so maybe that is something to consider that that if there's an in-state guy, um, then then Utah should be you know kind of front and center on that guy all the time. And I don't know whether that whether or not that's occurring. That may be occurring. But I just I don't know if that's occurring, and so that could be that could be something to consider as well. Uh, I want to go back to the bowl thing about opting out, and uh, you've been really clear, you know, that the the number or the lack of number of football games that the Pac-12 in particular and the Utes or the Pac-12 and the Utes played this year is just uh, you know mind-boggling and all that. But I, I try to see it from the player's point of view about opting out. And, you know, to get these guys out of a out of the uh, living situation where there'd be, you know, four players in an apartment or a house or whatever, 
And if one of them gets sick, then everybody's eliminated because of contact tracing. And the odds right. are, as we saw with the basketball team, you know, a couple guys get it. And so there's eight guys in the two. I think there was five and one and three in the other. And all eight have it. So they're trying to avoid that. So they're putting people in yeah. hotel rooms. So now you got guys, yeah. if they're not at football practice, they're back in their hotel room staring at a computer or staring at the TV by themselves, no interaction, and doing that week after week, month after month, they're just sick of it, and they are they, they may not have opted out of the bowl game as much as they opted out of, man, living in a hotel room by myself. And any of us who've been on the road, man, by like day three or four, PK traveled a lot, so he'd probably say by day two, uh, but, I mean, a week would be a long time by yourself in a hotel room. And so once you're putting multiple weeks or months on top of each other, I guess I was trying to have a little pity because how? why else would so many teams opt out? There must be a lot of players thinking, I've, I've had it with the hotel room. I'm not doing Christmas in the hotel room by myself. You know, I watched Tom Hanks on a desert island for months with a volleyball, and he seemed to come out okay. Well, that's because he was rich, though. <laughs> he was well. A, he was rich, and B, there were some mental health issues there. Let's be he honest. Didn't, he didn't have any. He didn't have room service for heaven's sake. If he could have opted out, he would have. I mean, there's a reason that he tied that porta potty to that raft and took his chances. He wanted to opt out. <laughs> Look, you make you make very good points, and I I would be hard pressed to disagree with any of any of the things that you're saying right now, and. And the truth is, I haven't necessarily had to experience any of that to that degree, and not, maybe none of us have. Uh, so, so I, I, I think that w- what you're saying is is very credible, absolutely. Uh, and even even with all that, uh, I still think, you know, the the opportunity to play in to play in one more game. And the opportunity to play in a bowl game uh, is is pretty meaningful. So, so I, I don't know. I don't know how I cannot. I I'm not, I don't disagree with you and and agree with you and and then say that the kids should play in a bowl game. I don't know how all that work it works itself out or how it reconciles itself. But <laughs> I'm just you know my my point on it is it's. At some point, the the final gun sounds, and no matter how much you beg and plead and pray, you never get a chance to step on the field again. It just doesn't happen. And once you have that perspective, it's it's um, difficult to overcome uh, the fact that you just can't you can't play another game. You can't go out and do it again. And DJ PK, as much as we have tried, church ball. Just doesn't measure up. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I uh, I've left out one big question. I probably should have led with it in this, but it's not bad to, to end it here because I I think it would have been awesome and just hilarious to see. Although it was deadly serious in the moment. But what did Kyle Whittingham say at halftime of that game? You got any idea? <laughs> <laughs> I think the most telling thing, thing that he said was, and you can you can paint all the all the colorful things around it that you want, but essentially he said, 
if we're not if we're going to play like that again, then I'm not I'm not going out. We're not going out for the second half. We're we're going to just stay right here if that's if that's the performance that you're going to give. I I had a thought. You know, Hans and I did do the the pregame and the postgame, and it's it's a lot of fun. And by the way. In terms of football analysis, Hans is fantastic. I, I can't even keep up with the guy. He starts talking about things that happen at the line of scrimmage, and, you know, my eyes start start glazing over. So he's, he's really fun. But we, we were talking about what, what, what was that, half, that first half performance. And we both kind of said, well, you know, Utah, Utah threw the towel in on the season when they opted out of the bowl game. And it feels like that that mentality has carried over to this first half of play, and I I think there's something to that. I don't know what exactly what Coach Whittingham said at halftime, but this has to be whatever he said has to be at some point. Someone has to release that tape, <laughs> and that has to become you know one of the great halftime speeches of all time, you know, kind of like the win one, win one, Utah's version of win one for the Gipper, because the, the, the difference in the performance from half one to half two, I just, I don't know if we've, if we've seen anything like that out of Utah football in, in recent history. I mean, I, it was, it was as bad as, well, looking back, you say it was as bad as you could do get in the first half with, I don't know what you would call that. And then as good as you could get in the second half, completely opposite performances. All right, Frank, we will leave it there. We appreciate you joining us uh, throughout this truncated season, and we look forward to talking uh, youth football with you down the road. There's former Utah quarterback Frank Dolce. When we come back, what is trending? The NBA season tips off. Jazz play tonight. BYU wins big. We'll get to all of that next. Stay with us.